Welcome to the teaching ministry of pastors Carl and Cheryl Thomas. Our favorite verse is Habakkuk 2.14. For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Consumed by that revelation, we are committed to recognizing, resourcing, and releasing high-impact ministries resulting in global glory, transforming lives to impact their world. We have a teaching that will impact you today. Now, let's get right into that word. How many have been enjoying the Kingdom series? You've been enjoying it? I think this is, uh, I think this is, might be sermon number nine. Is it number nine or, or somewhere eight or been going a long way? I mean, you could preach on the Kingdom for a whole year. We're not going to do that, but, uh, but the Kingdom message is so awesome. And it is really the message. It is, it is the message of this book. If you didn't know anything about God, you were some alien from outer space, and you came and you found this book, you would say, this is a book about a king who wants to come and establish his kingdom and find a people who can be his royal family, and through that people, he can manifest his greatness in the earth. That's what it's all about. And yet so many people think it's just a God who felt sorry for us and wanted to get us out of this mess, so he sent his son to die. No, he wants us to reign and rule. He wants to share. He wants us to be co-regents with him and flood the earth with his greatness. So kingdom is a big deal, and we want to know what that is. We've called it the new normal because when Jesus came, he reestablished the new normal. Back then, it wasn't normal. God was not with them, but that was the whole message of Christmas, right? Emmanuel, God is with us. And that's the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. You know what the big difference is? The location of God. Emmanuel, now Jesus came, and guess what? God is with us. In the new covenant, we don't have a God who's out there somewhere. In the new covenant, we have a God who has taken up residence in us, not just with us, but he has changed where he lives, and now he abides, and his house is the body of Christ and the people of God. We are the household of faith, and so the new covenant's all about the location of God, and God is here to bring a manifestation of his kingdom in the earth. So a couple verses just to kind of refresh our journey. Mark 1.15 says his message was this. What was Jesus' message, folks? What was it? What was it? His message was this. At last, the fulfillment of the age has come. Say fulfillment. It's the fulfillment of the age has come. It's time for the realm of God's kingdom to be experienced a little bit until we hope for heaven. Let me follow. I think a lot of people think that. Well, we got a little bit of God's goodness, but we won't get the whole basket full until he comes again. That's not what the Bible says, and that wasn't the message of Jesus, the one you're waiting for. He said, so that you might experience God's kingdom in its fullness. Turn your lives back to God. After hearing that good news, turn around and say, I'm in. I'll have some. That's what repent means. Change your mind. Align yourself with the new kingdom. It says, come back to God. Put your trust in this hope-filled gospel. The word gospel means good news. The gospel isn't the good news. The gospel is just the definition of the good news. This is good news. What's good news? His kingdom in all of its fullness is fully within your grasp. That's the gospel. Some people think, well, the gospel is the gospel. No, the gospel is the gospel of the kingdom. And the gospel of the kingdom is he can be fully experienced. His kingdom can be fully embraced right now. Matthew 24, 14, and this gospel, say this. Not a gospel, not Bob's gospel, not Fred's gospel, not even Carl's gospel, but this gospel, this one. Are we going to take that car? Are we going to take that car? No, we're going to take this car, this one. 
This is the one that will bring the full bearing of God's glory in your life. This one. Which one is it? It's the gospel of the kingdom. It's the gospel of the kingdom. That's the good news. If this is what it's all about, don't you think we should have a really strong working knowledge of what the kingdom is? Does anybody agree with that? Put your hand up now. Three people. Fantastic. I mean, we should all have a working revelation of what it is. What is the good news? We should know that, and we should have a working revelation in our lives. So the Bible's about a king. It's about a kingdom and a royal family, his children. It's a message about the desire of a king to extend his kingdom through his royal family. God has bound himself that if he's going to express himself in the earth, he's going to do it through his church. To him be glory in the world. No, it's to him be glory in the church. And through the church, we are that vehicle through which the scepter of Zion is shared through the church. So we are that people. If the world is ever going to experience the glory of God, it's going to be through a church that comes to full-blown manifestation of his kingdom and his maturity. Can I get an amen? See, because Jesus didn't say, I'm going to build a church. He said, I'm going to build my church, which means there is my church and there's other churches. But we're going to have my church, not any church, but we're going to have my church. The word Ecclesia is called out ones. People who I'm going to call to myself, who I'm going to share a governing with. I'm going to share with them my influence, my power, my authority. I'm going to get a group of people who I'm going to share all that I am with. And through that group of people, I'm going to have my called out ones. And through my called out ones, I'm going to fill the earth with my glory. Okay, sorry, sorry. Isaiah 9, 6, Isaiah prophesying about Jesus and his coming. For unto us a child is born. A baby was born. But it's more than that. See, because unto us a child is born. But here's the big thing. Unto us a son is given. A child was born, but the whole purpose is a son is given. And it says what? It says a son is given and the saving of the world shall be upon his shoulder. The redeeming of mankind shall be upon his shoulder. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. Jesus came to restore rightful governance in the earth. Jesus was political. He was not a political party. He didn't join parties. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. Not saying that my kingdom is not in this world or my kingdom should not influence this world, but my kingdom doesn't come from here. My kingdom comes from there, but my kingdom will come here and my kingdom through my church will colonize the whole world and bring everything, every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every people, every mountain, every influence will be brought under revelation of the king of glory. And what's going to be the greatest house? What will be the highest mountain in that day? The mountain of the Lord's house shall be the greatest influence in the earth. Man, this is a good recap, pastor. <laughs> Thank you very much. Isaiah 9 7, next verse. And of the increase of his government and his peace, there will be no end. You see, when people are redeemed, when people are set free, when the demons are cast out, when demonic influences are torn down, what is that? That's the extension of his government, extension of his kingdom, the extension of his person in the earth. The government of God is being extended. And look what it says. It says the government will come and go. It'll be here. And uh, at the end, we hope it has an influence. No, it says, and of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. It's always foot on the pedal, full on acceleration. It's getting better and better and better all the time. 
Those 12 guys in that smelly little place in the Middle East where Jesus said, I will build my church. 12 guys who could barely get it together. 12 guys. Those 12 guys, Peter said, you are the Christ. And from those 12 guys, that's why you're sitting here today. Because a group of people said, I will join in the government of God. And that's why there's churches all over London. That's why there's churches all over the world. And that's why it's going to increase and it will never, ever stop. Thank you. Thank you, Glenn. Praise Jesus. Glenn's giving lessons next week on how to say amen. Hopefully, maybe we'll, maybe we'll do a whole online series on saying amen. Amen? Oh, that was good. All right. So, of the increase of his government, peace will be no end and upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with his judgment and his justice. When? From this time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord, the zeal of the Lord of hosts is a type of the Holy Spirit. So it says the Holy Spirit will accomplish this. The Holy Spirit will perform this. The Holy Spirit will bring it into manifestation. So from this point forward, what was that? Well, the verse above says, for unto us a child is born, a son is given. From that point on, there is going to be an increase of the kingdom of God and an increase of the revelation of who he is, and it'll never, ever stop. Shouldn't we have a full working revelation of that truth? Just not quietly. Thank you. All right, that's good. All right, so uh, Luke chapter 12, 32. What about this kingdom? Don't fear, little flock, for it's the Father's good pleasure to give to you the kingdoms. How do you get the kingdom? It's a gift. How do you get in the kingdom? It's a gift. You're born from above. You're born again. It's a gift. That's how you enter the kingdom. Don't fear, little flock. It's the Father's good pleasure to give to you the kingdom. Romans 14, 17. What is the kingdom? The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy, and it's in the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Ghost. It's the zeal of God. That's what's bringing it into manifestation. What's it going to look like? Righteousness, peace, and ah. Joy! Man, I run into a believer's got no joy. I just had pipes blow up and my ceiling of my kitchen is falling down. Ha ha ha! Praise Jesus! This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice. The Lord said, Renovate your bathroom. I said, Yes, Lord. <laughs> Come on. Amen. He's a good God. He's a good God. My, my God doesn't lack anything he provides for me. My, the roof of my kitchen may fail, but he never fails. He's good every day, every day, every day. Hey, is anybody feeling as good as I am right now? It's Sherry's birthday today. This sermon is sponsored by Sherry Hall's birthday. All right. Luke chapter 16, 16, the law of Moses and the revelation of the prophets have, have prepared you for the arrival of this kingdom realm, announced John. And now... When the wonderful news of God's kingdom realm is preached, people's hearts burn with extreme passion and they press in to receive it. When people hear the good message of the kingdom, they press in. When they hear, that's some good news, I think I'll have some. Right, Jeremy? That's, <laughs> that was good right there. I'm hearing some good news, I think I'll have some. I mean, Jeremy heard some good news, won't get baptized, won't do it all. See, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Jeremy, we can't bring the tub down right yet. He says, I got a tub in my backyard. We went and got him baptized in his dad's backyard. So. I want it all, Pastor. If there's more, I want it all. So there it is. We want the kingdom, everything. It's wonderful news and everybody's pressing in. 2 Timothy 1.9, God has saved us. He has called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. 
It's always been the internal purpose of God that not through works, but by him pursuing us through his grace, through his kindness, through his life, that he would give us the goodness of God. So it's all the gift of God, and he chose us. He's purpose. He chose us. He called us, and he's commissioned us. Everybody say citizenship. All right. Is anybody here a citizen of Canada? All right. Is anybody here a citizen of heaven? Praise God. Dual citizenship. Isn't that good? Citizenship. Kingdom is about citizenship. The Apostle Paul said this, and he develops that whole theme of citizenship. Philippians 3.20 in the Amplified, it says, but we're different because our citizenship is in heaven. We're different. You know what? A king and the glory of a king is manifest through his citizens. If you go to a nation and you walk down the street and you see poverty everywhere, people barely getting by and hunger and strife and all kinds of stuff, you're like, the government here is in trouble. The governing influence around here has no concern for its people. And you see, the glory of a government is how its people are equipped and attired. When the queen of Sheba, she came and she wanted to challenge Solomon, when she got there, it says she saw how the cupbearers were dressed. She saw how they set the table. She saw how Solomon ascended into the presence of God and her spirit was crushed because she came to say, you're not all that, buddy. I'm a great ruler. But when she saw his realm, when she saw the kingdom, when she saw the people in the kingdom and how blessed they were and how common silver was, how common gold was, she just went, oh my goodness, this is a glorious kingdom. Look at this. It says, but we are different. Because our citizenship is in heaven. What do we live out of? We live out of the resources that we can scrape together. No, we live out of heaven. Heaven is what influences our life. Heaven is what resources me. The source of my existence is heaven. Therefore, that's where everybody says, why are you so different? Uh, I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm not waiting to be a citizen of heaven. I'm not waiting to go to heaven. God himself brought heaven to me. I am a living, walking, breathing container of the glory of God. I manifest heaven. It gushes from my belly everywhere I go. Why am I different? Oh, I'm a citizen of heaven. See, I go to some of those nations, and I walk around, and I, I got my passport. I have to use my passport to get in. And if I'm in those nations, you know, we've got an embassy. And you know, when I go to the embassy, the embassy of Canada, even in a poor nation, if you go to a Canadian embassy, the Canadian embassy does not look like the nation it's in. It looks like the nation it's from. So you see, I come from, and my, my calling, everything is from another realm. It doesn't mean it doesn't affect this realm. Yes, it does, because I was sent and filled with the Spirit of God to colonize the earth. So I'm not here for a visit. I'm here to take over. And you see, when you go to another country and there's an embassy from our country, you can go in there, they speak the same language, they wear the same clothes, they eat the same food, they have all the same wonderful blessings that we have in Canada because they're not subject to the governing of that nation, they're subject to the governing of Canada. Even though they're far away, the influence of Canada is being manifest in that place. And see, I might seem like I'm a long way from the throne of God, but I'm really not because it's in my heart. See, wherever I am, the throne of God is. Wherever I am, the kingdom of God is. Wherever I am, every benefit, every blessing of the kingdom is here because I am a living, breathing citizen of heaven. Hey! 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 Please settle down. It's true. Look at, look at the next verse. But we are a colony of heaven on earth. Then the message says, but there's far more life for us. We're citizens of heaven. How awful is it if we are children of the king and our life looks like everybody else? 
I just look like my neighbor. I go through things. I get beat up by life. I'm afraid of the same things my neighbor is. I'm terrified. I watch the news and go, oh, oh, oh. I'm a citizen of another realm. I have benefits that are out of this world. They may be out of this world, but they are mine to take and appropriate today. And I can live heaven on earth right now. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Citizenship. Ephesians 2.19. Now, therefore, you're no longer strangers and foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. We are the royal family. Colossians 1.12 and 13. Giving thanks to the Father who qualified us to be partakers of this inheritance. Well, I got saved. Hallelujah. And now I'm just trying to learn. And I'm trying to qualify myself for all the good things. There's other stuff that God wants, and I'm just trying to get my gold badges and enough little, you know, clover leaves on my shoulder so that God can finally allow me to walk in all that he is. He qualified you. You've got it all right now. You're a full-blown son and a daughter. You've been given the keys of the kingdom, and you can operate in the fullness of the kingdom right now. You don't got to wait. You are. See, the world makes you wait. In our minds, I mean, I wouldn't give the keys to a Ferrari to a teenager. Well, God would. God absolutely fully trusts you, and he wants you to enjoy every single thing that he's blessed you with. But that carnal mind just goes, eh, that ain't right, Pastor. God's cautious and careful. He's not. He's faithful. He's powerful, and he trusts you. Even if you don't think you're trustworthy, he trusts you anyways, and he's going to bring you into that realm. He's, he's going he's to bring you into the full, and if you don't want to come, he'll bring you kicking and screaming into the full benefits of the kingdom. No, I don't believe it. Oh, you're coming anyways. Like those guys on the road to Emmaus, they were walking away from the blessing. Man, we followed Jesus all that time, and he just got killed. Horrible stuff. Well, let's go have a hot bath. And they're walking away from their destiny. Who catches up with them? Jesus. What did he talk to them about? Jesus. He went through the scriptures from the beginning all the way through, from from Genesis all the way through Malachi, he showed them himself. And then all of a sudden, did not our hearts burn within us? And then in the breaking of the bread, all of a sudden, poof, it's you. He was revealed in the breaking of the bread. He was revealed in the covenant meal. He was revealed to them. And what did they do? They turned around, and after walking all the way to Emmaus, they ran all the way back into their destiny. And God will not quit on you. He's going to pursue you. He'll break down every wall, tear down every mountain, abolish every lie to bring you into the full expression of who he is. Can I get an amen from the Dominican Republic? Thank you very much. That's just such a better amen, isn't it? Amen. Amen. That's good stuff. All right. So we got that. So Paul knew his rights as a child. We were being conveyed. I love that word conveyed. He has conveyed us into the kingdom of his son. You know, he conveys you. Who brings you into the kingdom? He does. He conveyed you over. He conveyed you. You didn't convey you. And listen to this. You can't unconvey you. You didn't bring yourself in, and you can't take yourself out. Oh, I don't believe that. I believe that if you screw up, that God will get mad and boot you to the curb. The unconditional love of God. Well, there's conditions. In, in my God has conditions. Well, then you got the wrong God. 
Well, don't we have to be good? Yes, but you know how you be good? You know how you manifest proper behavior? A deep, massive revelation of the love of God will make you change and conform to what he desires you to be. A massive feeding on his faithfulness and feeding on his grace is the only thing that will change behavior. If you think behavior is a big deal, then every sociologist you talk to, identity changes behavior, nothing else. Because you cannot behave beyond what you know about yourself. And if you believe you're a loser and a sinner, you know what you're going to be? A loser and a sinner. Even as a child of God, you can have a false revelation of your identity. You can be a child of God and yet still believe you're a loser, which is so stupid. But God himself will pursue you. And so a revelation of his grace, his faithfulness, his goodness, his trust, you just feed on him, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. Not looking at your belly button, not trying to figure out, oh, well, Uncle Fred hurt me when I was four, and then my brother, he beat me up when I was seven, and then I went to school, and the teacher said, you're so stupid. Delete. The father says, you're my beloved child. I'm confident in you. I trust you. I've designed you for great things. There's nothing I would keep from you. I will literally give you my righteousness. You won't have my righteousness. I have made you righteous, and I call you my son. When you got your identity straight, your behavior always follows. But you go to churches, and they're doing behavior modification courses. Today, we're going to deal with why you have fear. You have fear because you don't know who your daddy is. He did not give me a spirit of fear, but love and power and a sound mind. Boy, there's so many sermons in this sermon today. Let me get back to the one because time is going. All right, there's a sermon in here somewhere. Paul knew his rights. Paul knew his rights. Paul knew who he was. In Acts chapter 16, verse 37, it says, They have beaten us openly. We are uncondemned Romans, and they have thrown us into prison. And now, do they want to put us away secretly? Or they want to let us out secretly? And he said, No, indeed. No, 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 we will not go quietly. He said, they got to come here themselves, and they're going to let me out. So you see, they found out that, oops, we arrested a Roman citizen. Wow, we had no idea. We thought they were just, you know, scoundrels. We arrested a Roman citizen. So all of a sudden, they come and say, okay, we're so sorry, but we talked to the magistrates and the leaders of town, and they'd like you to go now. So just over here, we got a little back door. So sorry about what took place. God bless you. Have a nice day. And Paul said, yeah, no, I'm not going out the back door. Well, why? Because I'm a Roman citizen. You arrested a Roman citizen without any cause. And so you know what? You guys are in deep stuff. Because I have the rights and privileges of Caesar himself. I am a citizen of Rome. Therefore, every right and every benefit of Rome. And you are in an incredible breach because you took advantage of a citizen. So you know what? If those magistrates are afraid that they've done something wrong, then they better come face to face, and they're going to bring me out the front door, and they're going to say, hey, everybody, oh, my goodness, was that ever stupid of us? Can't believe we did this to a citizen of Rome. God bless you, people. Thank you for coming. He says, I want everybody to know. You're not slipping me out the back door. You did something publicly to me, and I want the whole world to know what you did was wrong. The devil's doing things privately to us, even publicly to us. And we put up with it. But when you really know you're a citizen of heaven, you realize you can't treat me like that. I do not have to be subject to your nonsense because I'm a citizen of a heavenly realm and you have to treat me according to the righteousness of my God and my King. And how did you get that citizenship? I was born into it. 
I am a child of God. And all the powers of this world, you know, I am sealed by the Spirit of God, a citizen of the Almighty. You cannot touch me. And if you do, I'm going to get all over you. Quit letting the enemy touch your life. Quit letting yourself get put in bondage. Quit listening to the world's concept of what's going on and arise out of the revelation of God himself and say, I'm not quietly whimpering out the back door. God, get us out of here quick. It's getting ugly down here. Could you please send the Holy Ghost train? Woo, woo, get on the train, get me out. No, we will not go quietly. We are the people of God, and we shall be a church, holy, pure, and majesty, glorified, manifesting the kingdom of God, ruling and reigning in the earth and demonstrating the king of glory. We will not go quietly. Henry, why is the pastor shouting? Henry doesn't actually know. He always wonders, why does he do that? I'm just plain excited about it, you know what I mean? I'm shouting for emphasis. I want to emphasize what I'm saying. It's like an exclamation mark when you want to make a strong written point. You go, exclamation mark. So, it's an exclamation mark. It's important. I want you to hear it. Move on, pastor. Yes, yes, yes. He knew it. Paul knew. And then that was just one place. Another place, Acts 22, they arrested him again. And then suddenly a guy comes up. Oh, you better be careful what you do. He's a Roman. Be careful, be careful what you're doing as a Roman. And Paul, they said, are you really a Roman? And the centurion who was running the place, he went down and said, are you really a citizen of Rome? He said, I am. He says, well, I had to pay a lot of money to get my citizenship. And Paul said, I was born into it. And you're born into it. You've been born again, born into the kingdom. You're born into this. You are a child of God. By an act of God himself, he put you in. You're a child of God. Stand up and manifest what he's done in your life. But here, these people wanted to try to limit him and try to restrict him. But Paul understood citizenship. You see, why am I sharing this? Because Paul, again, it says, they immediately, immediately, those who were going to examine him, see, they were going to take him aside. It says they were going to whip him and scourge him to try to get the truth out of him. But when they found out he was a Roman citizen, they they immediately withdrew. They immediately withdrew from him. And they, they, those who were going to examine him, and the commander also was afraid. And after he found out that he was a Roman, and because they had bound him, and they had to come and let him go. Why did Paul use this analogy? Because everybody knew it. Everybody understood kingdom. They all understood citizenship back there. So Paul said, the same citizenship that I understand in this natural realm, I want you to understand. Just like I have the rights of a Roman citizen, and Caesar literally has a responsibility to make sure I'm cared for, you are a citizen of heaven. And therefore, the Lord of Lords has a responsibility to care for you. And everything that is against the kingdom of God in this world has to bow to the revelation that you are a child of God. I'm a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. (laughs) Do you guys have your heaven passport? I didn't get mine. Where did you get it? You know, I've been given. It's his good pleasure to give to me the kingdom. All right, citizenship. What is citizenship? A native or naturalized individual who owes allegiance to a government as a nation or a state is entitled to the enjoyment of the governmental protection and to the exercise of civil rights. Citizenship is power sharing. Citizenship is power sharing, the conferring of a nation on an individual. I'm a Canadian citizen. I've been conferred the power of a nation on me. It's, It's incredible. 
It's incredible when you understand that. When you understand the power of the kingdom of heaven has been conferred upon you. Walk. I walk in with nothing and I leave with everything. A citizen shares the power of the government and essentially becomes one with the government. I am a Canadian. I am, it says, you are one spirit with Christ. I am one spirit with Christ. Becoming a citizen of the kingdom of God means you're powerful, means you have a source of personal authority, means you can call constitutional privileges and promises. It means you have access to the full protection and the advantage of the law. Anybody here a citizen of heaven? I pray if you really get a revelation of this, nothing can stop you. Nothing can stop you. You are citizens of heaven. Matthew 28, 18 to 19, all authority of the universe, Jesus said. Before he ascended, he said, listen, all authority, the whole universe has been given to me. Now go in my authority and disciple the nations. Don't get a couple people saved, but disciple the nations. Change the world. Cause everyone to come into the alignment with my kingdom. That's what he wanted to do. I got a picture for you. Here it is. Boom. That's my son, Dylan, in the middle. And those four guys with him, that's in Port Harcourt, Nigeria. We're just leaving, ready to get on the airplane. Dylan and I were the only white people within 100 miles. Dylan, that, those four guys went with Dylan everywhere he went. If he went to the bathroom, they didn't go in the bathroom with him, but they literally would stand at the door. And if he, he left the meeting, anything we were doing, they would go with him everywhere. So before we left, he said, Dad, you got to get a picture of my bodyguard. And these guys were with him everywhere he went. Now, they're just four. I had another whole pactor with me. Even when I was inside a building, I had a guy dressed in a suit, and he was packing a weapon everywhere we went. If I left the building, a whole army went with me. We stayed at the Best Western. It had a 12-foot concrete fence with a 4-foot electric fence above it and great big iron gates to get in. If you drove by, you wouldn't even know there's a hotel in there. You don't even know it's the Best Western until you pull in those iron gates. But outside, you could hear... I'm like, man, I don't, it sounds like a war going on out there. But when we got picked up, seven vehicles came to pick us up. We had, we had two trucks in the back with a whole bunch of army guys in it. We got in a car. I got in a car, and there's guys sitting beside me with a big shotgun, and another guy with an automatic rifle. I go, man, I don't want to hit a bump. <laughs> I'm just like, man. But, you know, wherever we went, and they had sirens going on, it was like, we got a white man. We got a white man. I was like, I don't know. Couldn't we do this quietly? You know, but the, the country of Canada, I called them before I left. I said, I'm a citizen of Canada, and I want to go to Nigeria. Well, where do you want to go in Nigeria? I want to go to Port Harcourt. They said, don't go. Like, you don't want me to go, but I can go? No, don't go. We insist that you don't go, because if you go to that area, we cannot help you. We have no resources there. There's nothing we can do. If something happens to you, the nation of Canada cannot do a thing for you. So we would rather that you, being a citizen of Canada, don't go to Port Harcourt. Yet in my spirit, I knew God wanted me to go. And so I said, could I go? They said, again, you could go, but we're telling you straight up. I mean, something, because everybody, every white man, they're trying to kidnap every white man in Port Harcourt. So please don't go. But I really felt to go, and my son decided he wanted to go with me. So my wife said, if your son doesn't come back, don't you bother coming either. So I was like, but you know, I had this army with me everywhere I went. It was a little bit weird, but they told me it was very, very important that you have this because we want to honor you while you're here and make sure that you're going to be okay. It was different. It was different to feel the presence of an army. Did you know that the kingdom of God has an army? You're civilians. You're citizens. Civilians aren't in the army, but there is an army. And he is the Lord of the armies of heaven. And there are the armies of heaven that are yours. I want to say, I'm going to go through this very quickly because my time is gone. 
But Hebrews 1.14 says, isn't it obvious that all angels are sent to help those who are lined up to receive salvation? Every kingdom has an army, and God's kingdom has a military that's powerful. So we saw that picture of Dylan. Psalm 89, verse 8, so awesome are you, O God, O Yahweh, Lord God of the angel armies. A word used 272 times, that is the name God most uses for himself. Like, if there's a name that you want to use for yourself more often than any other name, don't you think that name's a big deal? He is the Lord of the angel armies. He is the Lord of hosts. He is glorious. He is powerful. Matthew 18, 10, be careful that you do not corrupt these little ones, for I can assure you that in heaven, each of their angelic guardians, say each, each of their angelic, every single person you included has an angel, at least one. That's what the Bible says. And you see, here's Jesus saying, the angels of even children, if you touch a child, their angel sees that. And they're before the father and they're going, can I take him out? <laughs> Every single one of you are so precious in God's sight. He's literally given also an angelic being to be assigned to your life and to the purpose of God in your life. Acts 12, 15, but they said to her, you're beside yourselves. You see, Rhoda had a knock on the door and it was Peter. And they're praying for Peter to get released. And all of a sudden, knock, knock, knock. Hey, it's Peter. Rhoda's like, ah! She doesn't open the door. She runs back and says, hey, Peter's at the door. Instead of letting him in, she's like, ah! It's Peter. And she ran, and they said, it can't be Peter. Peter can't be at the door. It must be his angel. See, everybody's got an angel. They were used to and accustomed to having angelic experiences and being helped and aided by angelic experience. They said, oh, it's probably Peter's angel. Let's pray for Peter to get released. They keep on praying, and Peter's already at the door. But... They said it must be his angel. Uh, Matthew chapter 25, 53. Or do you think I cannot now pray to my father and he will provide me with more than, more than, say more than, more than 12 legions of angels. That's 72,000. There are thousands upon thousands. We have come to Mount Zion. We've come to the, the, the heavenly Jerusalem with this myriad of angelic beings. There are angels here right now. Angels love to come to church because angels love the glory of God. And when God is worshiped, they go, smells like heaven. And they're here all over the place right now, mighty and powerful, just breathing out amens all the time while I'm preaching. And they're here right now, and they're blessing you. There is an army. If you're in the kingdom, you're privileged, you're blessed that you have this kind of protection with you every single day. Amen? I'm just talking about a bit of it. We got Joshua and Janet in this church. Joshua's written a bunch of books on angels. We got them in the bookstore. If you want to learn more about it, you can. And you should. If you have a benefit that God has blessed you with and it's powerful, don't you think you should know something about it? Jesus, literally, while he's being arrested, is giving up to be arrested. And he's saying, look, they're not going to take me. I'm going to be taken. They're not going to kill me. I'm going to lay my life down. Don't you know that if I wanted to right now, I could say, Father, send 12 legions or more, whatever. <laughs> Bam. He said, I am totally restrained right now because if I wanted to, I could blow this whole thing up. And you know what? Angels fight angels. In Daniel, when he was praying, it wasn't Daniel. Daniel was just praying, but the fight was taking place with angelic beings. And you need your angels that'll work with you, and they'll battle the other demonic things that are trying to influence your life. But a lot of angels got fat through the pandemic. And they're all sitting there. What have you guys been doing? Oh, skip the dishes. We got to put our angels to work. Hello. Are you guys still here? Am I seeing a vision? All right. Good, good, good. All right. 
John 1, 55, and he said to him, most assuredly, I'm telling you, you're going to see heaven open and angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Uh, he said, Son of Man. Why? Because you are the Son of Man. This happened on a man. A man was someone who was experiencing the blessing in the ministry of angels. Son of Man. He didn't say Son of God. He chose Son of Man purposefully so that you can understand that you live under an open heaven and you have angels that ascend and descend to the heavenly realm, always ascending at your word and bringing back into manifestation the kingdom of heaven in your life. Amen. I got three excited people in the house. All right, I'm wrapping it up quickly. All right, Psalm 103, 20 and 21. Bless the Lord, you as angels who excel in strength. I mean, one angel, and in Second Kings somewhere, it says one angel took out 185,000 people. One angel. And I don't like people being destroyed, but one angel is pretty powerful. And if you only got one with you, holy moly. I got a lot of stuff going on in my life. Bless the Lord, you as angels who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. How are angels activated with the voice of his word? Bless the Lord, you hosts, you ministers who do his pleasure. When you speak, when you declare things, that's how the purposes of God are activated. And that's the keys. The keys of the kingdom are wisdom, understanding, revelation of what you possess. And when you use the keys, when you operate in the keys, when you use spiritually empowered words, you release heaven in your life. It's Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. I don't think I got it on the screen, but Ephesians 1 verse 3, it says, blessed, he has blessed us in heavenly places. Why, why did he bless us in heavenly places? Because that's where it's, first of all, it's in the, in the spirit, and then it comes in the natural. See, you speak it in the spirit, it begins, the battle's in the unseen, and then it comes on the scene. So he's blessed you with powerful words in the unseen realms, you can call things on the scene. And what he blessed you with? It says he's blessed you with every spiritual blessing. Spiritual blessings are pneumatical eulogia, which means they are supernatural, powerful, spiritual words that you speak. So you're blessed with words to speak in the heavenly realm, to bring into manifestation and activate the heavenly realm on your behalf. That is a Volkswagen rabbit right there. You see that? Volkswagen rabbit. Just one little quick story. But when I was, just got married, was married for about a year, I was on the road and the company that I worked for, they had diesel rabbits. They had a whole fleet of about 30 diesel rabbits for all their sales force. So I was driving a diesel rabbit. But up in Peterborough, I just left, ready to, I was going to Oshawa that day to do some sales. And as I left, I was crossing Highway 7. And as I started to cross Highway 7, boom, I got hit by a car. It T-boned me, boom. It threw the car into the ditch, pushed the engine right up into the driver's seat. The car had rolled. It was demolished. Now, the interesting thing is, I went through, can you put that picture back up? You see that passenger window right there? I went through the passenger window over five lanes of traffic, and I landed in a field. I got up out of the field, walked through the ditch, came up, walked across the traffic. Everybody had stopped, and they're all in the other ditch looking at this car. And then I'm standing behind this whole group of people. I went, man, uh, who hit me? And they were straight up, where did you come from? I go, I think I came out of that ditch over there. Now, I, I had skidded, had some dirt in my, my head and stuff, and, and it was a little ratty for going through a window. But I was walking, I was fine. And then the ambulance came, and they said, okay, who got hit? Who got hit? You? Really? Okay. Well, you better get on this board. They put me on a board, taped my head to the board, took me to the hospital, x-rayed me from head to toe, checked everything out, did my blood work, everything else. And then Dr. Hume says, well, you can go now. You're okay. So I don't know how that happened, but you're good. So then I go to the, it was a company car. They, they towed it to the, to the garage at the place I work, big garage, bunch of mechanics. So they towed it over there and it's in the garage there. And I came over and said, hey guys, it's Carl. I said, Carl, holy cow, look at this. 
they brought me and said, look at this car. When they brought me in, when you looked from the passenger window to the driver's seat, it was like a big cone. And here's what he said. These were his words. It looks like somebody reached in the car and pulled you out. And the car was totally demolished. I mean, wrecked. All except it was like the window and everything was all buckled out. It was all buckled out. Well, you say it was my force that buckled it out. I was much lighter back then. <laughs> you know, I believe the hand of God picked me up and pulled me out. You know, I've had angelic protection all my life, and so do you. And I know so many places where I wouldn't be here today if the angel of the Lord hadn't been with me and protected me and kept me. But, you know, they do way more than just protect you. They bring into expression and manifestation so much of God. And you are a child of God. You are a citizen of heaven. And the blessings and benefits you have are out of this world, but they are to affect this world and to be manifest in this world right now in Jesus' name. Come on, why don't you stand up with me? Hey, hope that was a little helpful for maybe somebody. Just kingdom, bite at a time. Just trying to lay it out a bite at a time. Listen, if you're here right now, anybody here, just everybody, believers, just praying, praying, praying. If you're here right now and you don't know Jesus, you, you don't know him as your Savior, you haven't, you're hearing there's kingdom, there's benefits, there's all this good stuff. It's good news. And because of the good news, I want to press into that. I want, I want to desire that. If you've never entered into the kingdom, never embraced him as your Lord and Savior, you never accepted your citizenship as a child of God, you can do it today. And I want to pray for you right now. So if there's anyone here right now, I'm just going to count to three. I'm going to go one, two, three. If you need prayer, I'm just going to ask you to put your hand up really high. Are you ready? One, two, three. Anyone? I can't see everything. Anyone online? Anyone on screen? You're there on your couch going, hey, me. I hear you. Just say, Lord Jesus, I receive you right now as my Lord and Savior. Thank you that you've qualified me now to be a partaker of your kingdom. Thank you that I'm born again, forgiven, healed, and free. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we do have prayer. I don't know if we got prayer teams here today. There's a couple of lines right here. They're going to pray there. They're going to put their feet on that line. You got to stay at the yellow line on the other side, all right? But if you need prayer, just stay behind, and these folks would love to pray for you, all right? Anyone who needs prayer, Otherwise, I'm going to pray for you, going to bless you, and let you go. Thanks for letting me go a little longer. I think we started a little bit late because, of the, because the Lord loved my singing. And uh, so, was that you, George, laughing? I heard that. Well, Father, we love you. Thank you for a beautiful day. Thank you for your goodness and your grace. I pray, Father, for the seed of this word just to go deeply into the hearts of each and every one of us. I pray for the revelation of our citizenship as children of God, as people who have been qualified to embrace and freely enjoy every bit of your kingdom. Father, I pray that that would sink deep in our heart, unpack it, cause it to grow and expand in our hearts and in our lives in Jesus' name. So, Father, we bless this house. We bless all of our Impact family. We command them blessed in all they do. Just flood them and surround them with your goodness and grace. We commit it all to you in the wonderful and precious name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.